Well, today we get to talk about one of my favorite questions. One of my favorite questions. And yet it's a question that really has no ultimate answer. In some ways, we can come to a partial answer to this question, but in other ways, we can never come to the end of fully answering this question. One of my favorite questions to talk about in the church, who is God? Who is God? Who is God? It's a question that, that never comes to a complete and final answer. It's a question whose answer cannot really fully be comprehended. Because you see, God is infinite, God is eternal, God is totally other than us. We will never come to the end of answering this question. Who is God? Of course, the answer is God is God, right? God is God, but what does that mean? It's going to take us an eternity to come to an answer. And even there, we're still constantly going further and deeper into that answer. This is our eternal vocation. This is what we'll be doing for all of eternity, reflecting on who God is, that God is God, answering that question, who is God? There's the sense in which we can only see the answer to this question in part, and we can only know the answer to this question in part, and we cannot really fully see the whole. We can know God only to the extent that God has made himself known. Only God can reveal God. And so whatever answer we have to this question, who is God, that answer ultimately comes from God himself. Only God can tell us who God is. Only God can reveal God, and we only know God to the extent that he makes himself known. You reflect back in, in scripture, right? You go to the Old Testament, you see the story of Abraham. How does Abraham know God? It's because God has made himself known to Abraham. He reveals himself to Abraham. And apart from that revelation, there's no knowledge of God for Abraham. Or we come to the figure Moses. Moses in the book of Exodus only really begins to know God when God speaks to him, when God reveals himself to him at the burning bush, and in his actions, and the things he does, and the things he says. Or the people of Israel, as a nation, only really begin to know who God is when God reveals himself at Mount Sinai, when he's gathered them together, and he speaks from that holy mountain, and he reveals himself to be their God, and calls them to be his people when he gives them the covenant and establishes this relationship with them, only then do they begin to have some understanding of God, and even that understanding itself is incomplete. There is always something more. Only God can reveal God. When we come to the Gospels in the New Testament, the disciples of Jesus only know God as Father because Christ the Son has made him known. And apart from that revelation, they would not know God the Father. We can know God only to the extent that he makes himself known, be it through his direct revelation or through his divine speaking or through his divine acting or, or through his own creation, the things around us in our world. Only through God can we really know God. Only God can make himself known and can reveal who he is. And even then, in this revelation, we still cannot explain him. 
We still cannot comprehend him. And yet, in his infinite grace, and through the sheer abundance of his love, he makes himself known. Think about that for just a moment. Let that settle in. (laughs) The God who is unknown makes himself known. The God who is totally other than us. The God who is infinitely beyond us. The God who has been from all of eternity. The God who is makes himself known to us. We can't comprehend him. We cannot explain him. And yet, we can come to him. (laughs) We can know him, at least as he has revealed himself to us. On our own, we cannot even begin to approach an answer to that question, who is God? But in Jesus Christ, God has made himself known. In Jesus Christ, we see God and we know God, even if we can't comprehend him or explain him or grasp him. Even so, the Son of God has made God known. And so, biblically speaking, the answer to the question, who is God, is revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And this, I think, is the question that Nicodemus is bringing before Jesus. He wants to know God more fully and more truthfully. He wants to know who the God is that he worships. And so, he comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness, and Jesus Christ makes God known. Who is God? Who is God? Well, in this passage, we're going to see that God is especially known as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is our God. In other words, we know God by God's relationships, by who God is in his community of love. He has revealed to us this eternal bond of loving relationship that he is in and of himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a community of eternal love. I know we've talked about this several times in my ministry with you here, how we reflect on who God is in his essence. We have that that famous statement in John's writings that God is love. And what does that mean? It means that for all of eternity in and of himself, this is who God is. God is love. How can God be love? He is a community of love. The Father, for all of eternity, has been loving the Son. The Son, for all of eternity, has been loving the Father. And the Holy Spirit is that bond of love between them, between the Father and the Son, so that you have this this beautiful kind of divine cosmic dance of holy love. This is our God, and this is the God that Jesus reveals to Nicodemus in our passage this morning. Who is God? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who is God? God is this community of eternal love where we have the Father who is the lover and we have the Son who is the beloved and we have the Holy Spirit who is the bond of love between them. Again, we can't comprehend it. We cannot explain it. We can't really understand it, but we know that our God is a community of holy love. 
We know that we worship one God in three persons, that we worship a trinity in unity and a unity in trinity. We know that this God, this is who God has revealed himself to be. God is love. God is love. The eternal Son of God, eternally beloved by his Father in the eternal loving bond of the Holy Spirit, God is love. That reality alone is enough to occupy our thoughts for all of eternity. Who is God? God is love. And he is this kind of love. The Father loving the Son and the Son loving the Father and the Holy Spirit, the bond of love between them. Perfect, holy, eternal, Trinitarian love which really, I think, is the entire foundation for the conversation that we have between Nicodemus and Jesus here in John chapter 3. As we come into this passage, we see that Nicodemus has, has met with Jesus here under the cover of darkness, perhaps because he wants no one else to see the conversation that they're having. Nicodemus was a Pharisee that is a religious leader in that time. He had a, a religious role as a, as a teacher of the law. And he comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness to ask about the teachings that, uh, that Jesus has been proclaiming uh, in, in, in this time, in this, uh, this region. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and really, I think, begins asking Jesus about God. And one of the things that we discover in the answer that Jesus ultimately gives is just what we've been talking about, how God ultimately is love. God is this community of love. And Nicodemus begins to realize, I think, that when we find God to be love, we find that we too are made for love. Nicodemus and us, I think, when we begin to listen to what Jesus ultimately has to say in this passage, and we see that God is love, ultimately we find that we too are redeemed by love. Our entire salvation is a Trinitarian act of love. We find this very famous uh, uh, verse, of course, the most famous verse, you could argue, in, in the entire scripture. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who comes to believe in him shall not perish, but may have everlasting life. Our entire salvation is an act of holy love. We are saved by the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That this entire story of our salvation is the story of Trinitarian love. The Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is the one who comes and saves us. This is the grammar, you could say, of our salvation, that we are saved by the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that our story of salvation is the story of Trinitarian love. Just to kind of help us break this down a little bit, God the Father is the source of our salvation. God the Father is the source of our salvation. God the Son is the means of our salvation. 
And God, the Holy Spirit, is the agent of our salvation. So let's take a look at those. God the Father is the source of our salvation. John 3.16 again, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God the Father, who is in eternal communion with God the Son, sends his Son into our world. So we can look at this and we can see that God the Father is the ultimate source of our salvation because he is the one from whom the Son comes into our world. The Father is the source of our salvation. We also see this back up here in verse 2, where uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, has come from God the Father. Therefore, God the Father is the source of the sons coming into our world. God the Father is the source of our salvation. That's the first step in this grammar of salvation. God the Father is the source of our salvation. But then we also see that God the Son is the means of our salvation. In other words, he is the one through whom we are saved. And we see this in John 17, John 3, 17. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, through him. If God the Father is the source of our salvation because he has, he has sent the Son into the world, the Son, Jesus Christ, is the means of our salvation. He is the one through whom we are saved. Again, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He is the means of our salvation. Or even in verses uh, 14 and 15, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. God the Father is the source of our salvation. God the Son is the means of our salvation. God the Holy Spirit then is the agent of our salvation. He is the agent of our salvation. Verse 5, where we, we see this, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Or verse 7 and verse 8, Do not be astonished, I said to you, you must be born again or born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Or in our earlier reading in in Romans chapter 8, we look at verse 13 and verse 16. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It is, the, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, the Spirit then is the one who takes the work of the Son, which comes from the Father, and applies it to our hearts. He is the one who brings it all together, the agent of our salvation. 
So what I want us to, to try to see this morning is this grammar of our salvation or this story of our salvation as not just an act of Jesus Christ by himself, but it is a Trinitarian act. It is the act of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God saves us. And who is God? He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are saved by the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what that grammar of our, our salvation shows us is that we then are invited into this community of love. That we are saved by this God who is a community of love and we are invited to share in the life of this God who is love. Again, Romans eight sixteen and 17, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. See what salvation does for us? Salvation brings us back into the family of holy love. We are born of the spirit and therefore, we are children of God, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are brought back into the family of holy love. We have a father who welcomes us through his son in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a father who invites us through the son to share in the life of his, his divine community in the power of the Holy Spirit. Whereas in our sin, we had separated ourselves from God. Whereas in our sin, we were alienated from God. Where we, in our sin, chose to leave God's family. Even when we were still a long way off in the far country, God the Father sent us his son. Even while we were still far off in the far country, even while we were still alienated from God by our sin, God the Father sent us his son to bring us home again in, the, in the, the Holy Spirit of adoption as children of God. Even when we were estranged from God, separated from God, alienated from God, even when we had chosen to leave God's family, God has brought us back again as children of God, as those who belong to his family, again, as those who are heirs of his kingdom, again. So what about you? Have you ever felt far from God? Have you ever felt as though you do not belong to God? Have you ever felt like you were not a part of God's family? What Jesus shows Nicodemus in this passage from John chapter 3 and what Paul shows his community at Rome in Romans chapter 8 is this. He calls us, the scriptures call us to look to the God who saves us. To look to the God who saves us. To unite ourselves to the God of salvation and to know that we are saved by the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit that we belong to this divine family of holy love. 
when we feel like we are left out, when we feel like we are pushed away, when we feel like we have not done enough to earn God's favor, when it feels as though we are outside of God's family, look to the God who saves. Look to the God who is this family of holy love. Unite yourself to God the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. When we come to worship, Worship the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, pray to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you study the Scriptures, learn from the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. In everything you do, do it with joy and thanksgiving to the glory of God the Father and to the glory of God the Son and to the glory of God the Holy Spirit. Worship the God who is love and you will find yourself drawn into that love. Worship the God who is love and you will find yourself sharing in the life of that love. Who is God? <laughs> well, God is God. And God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. He is a community of divine and perfect and eternal love. And when we, when we worship the God who is love, we will find that we ourselves are drawn into that love and we are invited to share in that life of love. John 3, 3, Jesus says again, Very truly I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above or born again or born anew. The idea there is that they are born of the very life of God. Born of the very life of the triune God. Before God shows us his kingdom, God invites us to share in his family. He welcomes us into the family of divine love. Where the Father is the one who loves. The Son is the one who is loved. And the Holy Spirit is that thread of love binding them together and also joining us to that love as well. Who is God? God is love. 